The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Space Invaders, and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the spaghetti and meatballs of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose meatballs never roll off the table, Josh, how are you doing this evening? Doing very well. I'm home relatively early for me. Uh, so it's nice. Now I'm like, what do I do with my free time? Do I go to bed early? Do I play a game? That's what's on my mind right now. <laughs> the answer is we record a podcast. That well, is what I mean, we yeah. do. <laughs> Afterwards. Uh, and my meatballs never hit the ground. Are you a big fan of spaghetti with meatballs? Yeah. I mean, my last name is Borboni, so. Well, I assume so, but I didn't want to get it. marinara sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that, that would be a condition. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm dying. <laughs> And my son loves meatballs, which is nice. It's it's one of the few foods that he'll actually like eat without question and without forcing. So uh, that's pretty pretty good sign. Uh, Do you have a specific family meatball recipe or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I, we have my grandmother's meatball recipe, which my dad has, which I'm sure someday will go. I think my brother has it. So someday I'll get that. So you don't <laughs> even have your family's meatball recipe? I could get it. I haven't ventured into making homemade meatballs yet. Mm. Um, only because my wife doesn't eat beef. Oh, okay. So but you can think about a chicken or turkey. It would have to be, yeah, but that's not my grandmother's recipe. That's know? true. You know what I mean? So yeah. someday I'll have it when, when my son's eating meatballs with me. And uh, But yeah, we have we have a recipe and it's very stereotypical because I'll say it, no one makes them as good as my grandmother, not even my dad doing her recipe. That is the way that usually goes. So last question about meatballs before we talk about games. Uh, big meatballs, little meatballs? What size meatballs are we talking here? Recipe, we're talking big meatballs. Okay, so we're talking uh, like <clears throat> like baseball size? Like, oh, like a plum size. Okay, that's solid. Okay. So not, not a Swedish meatball, little meatball. We're uh, talking big, hearty Italian meatball. Yeah, but I'll tell you my go-to for parties is get a crock pot. Mm-hmm. I'll go to BJ's or somewhere or whatever wholesale club you have in your area of the country. And I'll buy, now it's turkey meatballs, but I'll buy a big bag of the turkey frozen meatballs, Mm -hmm. buy three of those big giant things of ragu, just toss them in the crock pot and put put bread next to it. And it's always a big hit. Are you a fan of the barbecue sauce and grape jelly meatballs in the crock pot? That sounds horrible. Yeah, so that's a big thing around here. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing, but you would get meatballs and you take like a, basically a barb of a bottle of get Sweet Baby Ray's or whatever kind of barbecue sauce you want. Put a decent helping of barbecue sauce in there, a few uh, tablespoons or more if you want to of grape jelly in there. Mix Good. it all up. Let it sit in the crock pot. It's actually surprisingly delicious. Okay. I know. I, it's one of those <laughs> things that when you hear it, you're like, wait, what? Grape jelly, barbecue sauce, meatballs? I know it sounds wrong, but... 
it actually is pretty darn tasty. But hey, you know what? This is not a meatball podcast. <laughs> this is a gaming podcast. So thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, send any feedback, questions, suggested topics to Board with VG on Twitter. Also at Board with VG on Instagram, where Josh posts many, many pictures of the awesome games he is playing. You can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. Also, if you want to communicate with us long form, still waiting for the first fanfic, you can hit us up, boardwithvg at gmail.com. And finally, use that hashtag boardwithvg on all the social media so we know what you're playing and we can all be part of the awesome conversation. So enough of the housekeeping things. Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Oh, good question. Good question. Well, uh, you know what's real funny? I'm trying to remember what I played this weekend. <laughs> uh, I think the wife was only up to learning one new game. <clears throat> so uh, that game was... So for a little behind the scenes, uh, last week Kyle and I talked and we we decided we would both play uh, a game that we, we own. Wow. Okay, words. We decided to play a game that we both have. We both have. Jeez, what is wrong with me? It's late. Uh, it's okay. It's a weeknight. It's late at night. It's it early for me. <laughs> well, yeah, for you, but for our, most of our listeners, I'm assuming, are in bed yeah. already. Yeah. So I text the wife. I said, we have a homework to do. We have to play Flip Ships. And she has been dreading playing this game since I bought it. And for whatever reason, because I think she... We started at PAX Unplugged, and I was interested, and she gets embarrassed with that, that style of game, so she was really not wanting to play it. Um, so every time I asked, like, can we play this? She's like, no, not tonight, which is her way of saying no, not ever. <laughs> so when Something. I told her we were playing that, she's like, why? 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 I don't know. I told her why. So Kyle's playing it. We're, we're playing it. Okay. It's happening. <laughs> so we sat down. I literally sat across from the table and while reading the instructions to her, just watched her face, just utterly defeated by the whole premise that we're playing a game that is a dexterity game. It's the first dexterity game we've ever played. Um, so that should be noted. And then I'm like, oh, okay. After I read the instructions, I'm like, you have to come over to this side of the table. We're playing this together. I think that helped a little bit, you know. And and, and once we got going, I wouldn't say she warmed to it, but she didn't hate it as much as in at first. And you know, this is one of those games that is not. I don't want to say it's not for everyone because it could be for everyone, but it has an audience. I would say of people that would definitely love this game as compared to um, a general casual gamer. Um, not this, And I'm not trying to single anyone out because I generally, genuinely like this game. Um, so, and when you when I was reading the show notes, I was like, Kyle played, was playing Space Invaders? Why? <laughs> but, that's the, and, but that's the feel of this game. The, yeah. And I said Galaga for whatever reason when we were playing it with mm-hmm. my wife. I'm like, this is like Galaga. I think similar style game um you are uh, technically depending on how many people play a fleet of ships um we were a duo of ships <laughs> that had a fleet at our at our disposal <laughs> but not all the time um and what you're doing is you're setting up a board which we had just the uh, our correct amount of space on the table our little fold-up table we use in the living room now mm-hmm and what you're doing is you're setting up a 
um, uh, we'll call it a field that you'll be playing in. Starts with Earth's. Well, uh, is it Earth? I, I assumed it was Earth. I guess a planet's atmosphere, yeah. and it goes out into space to an uh, where you will reach a mothership, which is attacking you with smaller minion ships. And your goal in this game is to um, literally take uh, icons representing your ships. You have three different levels of ships that have different abilities, which are random. So each game you might have different abilities. Um, and you have stages one, two, and three. So one is your weaker of the ships or your lesser ability of the ships. Two and then three. But two and three are harder to get. In a two-player game, we played on the training level which gave us all of our stage one ships. Mm-hmm. But in depending on the difficulty, you won't get all of them right away. Uh, I think you get, or maybe a player count, one of the two Yeah, changes. I think player count changes that. I think with a two-player game, you always start with all three of your... Okay, so player count will change that. <clears throat> um, and what you're doing is you're literally taking the token that symbolizes your ship and either putting it on the edge of your table or on a launch pad, which is just a wooden block that, I messed up putting the stickers on, of course. I did too. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I like when I was taking one of the stickers off. I like ripped it like really badly. And I, was like, I didn't rip anything. I just didn't put them on evenly. And oh, the, gotcha. And the book doesn't really give you great instructions. It just says construct your launch pad. Mm-hmm. Like, give me something. Like <laughs> <laughs> it did. It gave you four stickers. Yeah. So I put so, and then you would flip it off that launch pad uh, from a corner, I believe, if you have more room on the table, whatever the case may be. Um, I did terribly the first few times we did it. Um, But what you're trying to do is flip your ship onto the enemy ships or into the mothership. And these would signify attacks, successful attacks, um, or critical misses, or just barely misses. Um, and I have a question I'll ask you when you talk about your experience with it. But um, as you're attacking the ships, once your turn is over, all your misses go into a launch bay um, or a launch pad, and then you will get them back. But once you finish your attack, the enemies move. And the enemy ships have special abilities like shield, which would shield a ship adjacent to it. Some of them have uh, are stronger, so they require two hits to take out. And they also have movement, and if they move forward and there's a ship in front of them, it pushes the ship in front of them closer to you. Once a ship hits lands in your atmosphere, it will assign damage to your planet or your home base or whatever you want to call it. And you start at 20, and once you're down to zero, game over. So I'll let you talk a little bit because you're going to talk about it, I believe. And and then maybe we can go back and forth on that. Yeah, so... When I told my wife we we're going to play this, she actually reacted very similarly to your wife. My wife does not like dexterity games. The only other one we've really played a lot or multiple times was Flick 'em Up, and she does not like that game at all. So I was like, hey, we're going to play this game. It's called Flip Ships. And I was kind of explaining what was going on. Instantly, she was like, ah. but I was like, well, it's cooperative. And then she was like, oh, okay, this might be okay. As one side note, did you notice the box has flip ships, no matter whether it's right side up or upside down? Yeah, I took and I took my pictures. I did one of each uh, side of the of the box. Small but cool little thing. But anyway, so we played <laughs> it, and I will say I love this game, but I am horrible at this game. I am so bad at it. Like 
I didn't think trying to flick this little disc off the edge of my table onto these ships would be so hard, Yeah, but I'm really not very good at it. I really struggle. So we have only played the easiest base level. And that is one thing I really enjoy about the game is that no matter whether you're playing with two, three or four people, it gives you different difficulty levels, both from the number of ships you have to destroy, as well as the amount of damage you need to do to the mother ships. You can really fluctuate the difficulty the more you play this game and the better you get at it. I truly do believe this is a game. The more you play and the more you get a feel for it, you'll get better for it. It's not necessarily like a Euro game where you'd start learning the strategies. It's just that flipping these discs is a lot harder than you'd think it would be, especially to get them to go where you want to. Yeah. So we have only played on the, on the easiest level. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, you're going ahead, you're flipping the discs out there. You're trying to, you know, take advantage of your special abilities and kind of just working your way through the process. You know, I posted a picture on our Twitter of a game that we lost. Uh, one thing to note, we did not destroy all of the enemy ships because yeah. in the last round, once you get six ships or less, they all become basically kamikazes and dive bomb your city. We did eliminate all but one of them. So we actually, uh, I think you start with 25 enemy ships in the easiest level. So we did eliminate 24 of the 25. The yes. last one did its damage to us. And it's kind of this little weird give and take because when you start with your three base ships, the only way you unlock your better ships is by taking damage. You have yep. to get hit some in order to unlock. Once you lose, like I think it's five points and get down to 15, you unlock your first second level ship that has a more powerful special ability with it. Um, and that was like really kind of an interesting thing to, to manage about, okay, do we want to try to take all these ships out? Do we want to let them hit us a little bit so we can get these better ships? Or how do we pick which ones we're going to have let hit us? And there's a lot of strategy in there since... You're taking out a random number of cards every time. So you have the deck is far more than the 25 cards that you are playing for that game. So you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. They get placed out in a random order. They might push or might not push the ships around them. They might shield the ships around them as well. So there's a lot more strategy in this game than I expected there to be. But I will say, not once in the entire time we've played this game have I ever, ever gotten a ship in the mothership. Not one time. <laughs> we <Never>. haven't. <laughs> so we've never won. Never, we've come close to winning. We get to the point where basically when the final assault happens, once you get to six ships or less, like I said, they all kamikaze you. So you take out as many as you can. Any that you don't take out are going to immediately attack and do double their damage to you. And then after that, you come down to the final account, the final encounter with the, with the um, mothership. And at that point, you have to try to flip, you know, whatever the health or damage of the, uh, mothership still remaining is now you can attack it earlier if you are able to and get damage in there but you have to take destroy both the mothership and all of the ships other ships in order to win the game and you know that last round we were in the final encounter and we were just flipping all of our ships in there and not one would go in and that's kind of how we've ended every single time is we've gotten to the point where you know we will get to eliminating all the smaller ships or they you know will dive bomb us and we take all of our damage down and we're like, okay, we each have five or six ships and we can't get any of them in that thing. None of them. So <laughs> I really enjoy this game. My wife surprisingly really enjoys this game. She didn't think she was going to like it at all. But I think there's just the fact that it's co-op, the fact that it is kind of silly, but there is a lot of strategy to it still. So it's not going to be quite a brain burner, but it's more involved than just like, hey, flick this disc and hope it goes in that hole. It's much more, well, try to go for these ones, try to use this power in the way that you can, and trying to do all that. 
One thing that did happen, and I still have to tweet at, Rene- at Renegade about this. I haven't. We have floor vents. Oh, no. <laughs> so we have floor vents for our heating and cooling. Someone who shall remain nameless may have nailed their one of their ships wholly off the table. Didn't even touch the table after I flipped it. <laughs> may or may not have gotten out one of our floor vents. So oh, I no. may have lost one of our ships. Whoops. <laughs> Oh, so boy. that was a mistake. But overall, I really like this game. I think it's a really interesting, different take on dexterity games. I like the aspects of it. My only complaint, and it's not a huge complaint, but it's kind of annoying. I have a really hard time telling the ships apart, both from the ones that are in my hand. I have to like really look at like, oh, this is the two or this is the level three ship. So I know what I'm doing as far as flipping them goes. And yeah. then even the colors of ships, like telling my wife's and mine apart even, is not super easy. Like we had to be really conscientious of picking two colors that were very, very different. But like, if you pick colors that are more similar to each other, they're really close because the art is still really small on those discs that you're flipping. So it can be kind of hard to tell them apart. But outside of that, I really enjoy the game. I think it's something that we'll play pretty regularly. My wife who also works at the college, like I do uh, texted some of her coworkers and I was like, Hey, did you guys play flippy cup in college? And all of them were like, of course we did. She's like, perfect i'm bringing a game to work for us to play that will use all of those skills <laughs> so i don't know if i'm condoning that portion but overall i really think that flip ships is a super awesome game the designer of it kang klenko has done actually a number of other really good games as well because he did fuse and flatline and covert so he's done you know not games that you're gonna say you know are like oh you know, the top 100, 200 best games ever made, but he really has a pretty consistent track record of putting down out pretty solid games. And I think Flip Ships is just another one of those. What are other thoughts you have on the game, sir? Well, I don't, I just want to make sure, I don't know, I know I didn't, but did we specifically say it was by Renegade Games? Because oh, I know you I mentioned it. I completely forgot because I kind of like, I know you had talking points and I kind of just threw you in the middle. Oh, that's it. fine. But, um, yeah, and Fuse is a game I saw them playing at PAX and it looked mm-hmm. like a crazy amount of fun. We just never got to play it. And I know uh, Splig posted a picture yeah. playing it that they were playing it tonight, which is Tuesday, not the Thursday you're hearing it. Um, I was going to ask you, so there was a rule in the book that I thought was a little vague, and it was when a, when your ship partially lands on an enemy ship. Mm-hmm. So it said in the instructions it doesn't count as a hit. If it's on the corner of the ship. Oh, okay. So my so understanding of that we rule. Played if it was mostly, if there was more on than off, we played it as a hit. My understanding of playing it is that if it is on top of the card in any way, shape, or form, it is a yeah. hit. If it is okay. next to the card, if it is touching it only on the side, it is not a hit. So that's how I interpreted that rule. So it could like barely be on it by... Just a little bit, but it's still over the top. That to us, we counted as a hit. Yeah, we had a couple of those. We didn't count as hits because I, I just th- that makes sense when you say it. But when I read it, I didn't get it that yeah. way. Yep. Um, and then the other thing I would say was like, uh, if you don't get those ships off the board fast, that escalates. We died very quickly. We were just gaining ships and gaining ships, and we're like, we're not going to get to use these ships. <laughs> we got to add two more rows of ships every turn. Yeah, it's really, it, it goes quite quickly. And, it, you know, you're trying to say like, hey, I really want to get these level three ships. But you get your last one when you have like four health left. Yeah. You know, so that at that point, you're in a pretty dire situation of like, oh, goodness, 
I have not much health, but now I finally got the last ship, so I guess that's good. <laughs> but yeah, it is pretty rough. Our first game, when we were just learning, you know, trying to figure out this flip technique and what's the best for us to do, uh, we died in a blaze of glory really quickly. Yeah, like it, did it, didn't, it did not go well at all. But once we got the feeling down for a little bit, um, we were able to fend things off a little better and do a little bit better. And we were able to pretty consistently get to the end game. But I'm kind of in that catch-22 right now. If I feel like we're able to handle the middle portion of the game pretty well, but we just can't beat the mothership. But I also feel like, well, we could if we added more cards, like we probably would still do okay but we still wouldn't be able to beat the mothership. So I'm kind of in that, I don't know what to do situation, <laughs> yeah. but if nothing else, like still flipping ships is really fun. So that's good. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, if it was a bad game, we wouldn't talk about it this much. So I think uh, I enjoy it for what it is. I, I look forward to introducing it to family, like mm-hmm. people who don't necessarily just play typical board games all the time. Cause this is definitely um, something that they would probably think is very new and unique. Um, so I'm excited to try it with more players. Definitely. One last question before we move on. Yeah. Did you flip things off the end of your table or did you use the launch pad? We did the edge of the table because we didn't have, it was literally on the, the board came all the way to the edge of the table. Okay. We didn't even have anywhere to put the launch pad. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause when you use the launch pad, you're supposed to push like the edge of the board, like two inches or whatever it is yeah, forward. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we, we also did the edge of the table, but we run into the issue of that our table, my wife is big into woodworking and our table is like the first big project she ever built. Yeah. And I'll say it's very rustic. That's what I'll <laughs> go with. So it's not always super even. And it actually was built and designed that way to be a rustic table where it yeah. has imperfections. But then we realized as we were playing a whole bunch of board games that maybe wasn't the best plan. <laughs> um, so we ran into a few issues with that. But yeah, I think it is kind of interesting because when you're playing with the edge of the table, you have to like squat down. So yeah. you're like getting like lower than your tables and you're trying to like flip it. It is kind of a interesting thing to do, especially if you had a group, I think it would make the game quite a bit of fun because you are putting yourself in really kind of awkward and odd positions to try to figure out how am I best going to flip this ship to the place yeah. I want it to go. Yeah, for sure. So how do you recommend you would say? <clears throat> uh, if it sounds interesting to you, I would say it's definitely worth the pickup. If you're not, if you're <clears throat> a one style type of gamer, I mean, maybe try it at a friend's house first but if you're looking like if you're like the the two of us were very explorative with our gameplay and we have all these different styles of games or <clears throat> i've never played flick em up but you know games like that or like meatball circus games that are unique and different i would say yeah definitely uh, uh i i'm looking forward to playing it more awesome well hey sir that's it for board games what video games have you been playing so I continue my dad of war quest. Uh, How I many say, hours would you say you're in if you had to guess? You know, does place does the PlayStation app let you know? Uh, no, not uh, really, and that's a, a bummer of that. <laughs> and there's no in-game clock on it either. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no in-game clock in God of War, so I have no idea how long it took me to. Jeez, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna guess ten to. 20 hours <laughs> it's a pretty pretty large it's, window it's hard to tell i haven't you know it's so it's so hard for me to find time right now to play it that i, I don't even like clock if i played for 40 minutes or two hours and 40 minutes like right um <clears throat> i got i finally got to and completed the spoiler quest that was shown in clueless gamer uh so i'm not that far in the game i don't think at least based on the possibilities of what's left in the story right 
Um, I gotta say though, um, the polish is wearing off for me. Like that shiny new exterior that I thought of God of War. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I talked about it a little bit on the OT that I was on uh, the uh, PSVG's the OT over the weekend. <sighs> I mean, I still like the game, but it's not it's not where I was when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. It could still get me back into it very quickly because. I just got to a part that was very intriguing to me where I was um, <laughs> where I was hanging on a ledge listening to three people talk. Mm, I know uh, where you are. Oh, okay. That's just where you got to? Well, I got past that, but that's okay. like that part really kind of got me more intrigued. Okay. To the game. okay. Like I was getting a little, I'll, I'll say this, uh, for God of War, and this isn't a slam on God of War because God of War has always been like this. It just might be where I am mentally video game wise it's getting very repetitive for me mm-hmm. um but that's like it's not a knock on the game because that's what i know god of war is to a certain extent right um it's just not holding it's it's not grabbing my attention and maybe it's because my time is so limited mm-hmm. but i don't want to sound like a hypocrite either because far cry 5 a lot of that stuff could be perceived as uh, repetitive as well i just didn't view it as that while i was doing it mm-hmm. because Everything I did was in Far Cry, even if it was puzzly or repetitive, everything I did progressed the story mm-hmm. in one manner or the other. I didn't stop and do the fishing games. I didn't stop and do the hunting stuff. Everything I was doing kept progressing the story. So may, that might be why. And that's like the last big game I played before God of War. How far past that point are you? I, I mean, I think the game's been long uh, long enough. I went back to the, we'll call her the Witch of the Woods for storyline mm-hmm. tales. I yeah. went back to her and then my interaction with her ended. And then <clears throat> I saved it after the next legitimate spot you would stop to save something. Okay. So here's what I will say. And again, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the game. We know oh, wait, that. Oh, no. Sorry. I blew the horn. Perfect. So here's what I will say. When I got to the point that you were talking about where you're hanging on a wall, listening to some people talk right before I got to that point, I was like, is this all this game is going to be after that point? And a few things happen. You've kind of talked about this other thing. I started to enjoy the game more again, as I went on because of specific new characters that are introduced. Okay. So that is what I will say. So, like oh. I said, maybe maybe you won't fall in love with it. For me, it was more the story than anything that kind of drugged me forward and really was that through line for me. Yeah, I liked the action. I thought the action and the combat was really fun. And I thought it was, you know, neat and cool and figuring out, like, who is going to be my God of War and what kind of, how was I going to approach battles? But yeah. for me, it was the story and specifically because of introductions of characters that have recently happened for you, the more those characters are fleshed out and, and kind of pushing things forward, um, I can t- I've enjoyed the game more and more as it went on from that point, and even probably more than I had prior to that point. Okay, I mean, I'm really, I'm still enjoying the story for mm-hmm. sure. I just think that from my experience with it, it's been too sparse. Like I want, I expected the way the story started at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I it kind of lost that beat. Um, but if it's pick, if it starts to pick up, I hope so. I do enjoy the new dialogue I'm getting constantly. And- and that's the thing I think that's really helpful is that that will happen. That constant dialogue basically happens the entire rest of the game. Okay. So yeah, it's constantly it's, pushing the story forward. Yeah, yep. Because that, that stays with you, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I'm still looking forward to to playing it. Um, so that being said, yeah, uh, God of War is the game. Um, I think I missed the whole Infinity Gauntlet Fortnite thing. I think it's done. Yeah, I think it's done now. I missed it too. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be doing this Fortnite thing for the Xbox quests, and I completely slipped slept on the whole Infinity Gauntlet thing. Um, I will say, I mean, Mother's Day had a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became an uncle. Uh, Congratulations. On Thursday, first time uncle. So that has been all crazy and awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So that's been nuts. So we get a little Landon, who I'll call, who I call Lando. So we get a Lando mm-hmm. family, which uh, which I think is cool. Um, my brother doesn't listen to this, but who, Landon? Is that a, is that a, <laughs> a current name? Because <laughs> I feel like Landon's like a name from like the 60s. Really? <laughs> Landon? No I, think, no, I think that's pretty recent, a pretty modern name. Is it? I don't think I've ever yeah. heard, I've met anyone with the name Landon. I know multiple Landons. Okay. Maybe it's regional. <laughs> <laughs> He's moving to the Midwest soon. He just hasn't told you. Yeah, that's possible. Um, I will say uh, on the hybrid video game board game front, um, we did get the potion explosion beta for the fifth ingredient on the mm-hmm. app. Uh, funnel, funny enough, we, my wife and I both got invited to the beta today. We went to play and there was a locked panda paywall. And I Interesting. Was, so I didn't know why, So, but it let you do a tutorial. And basically it adds, I think, six professors. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, a new ingredient, which is the ghost ingredient. And it totally redoes the whole UI for the game on phones. Changes the whole look. It looks really cool. Um, I didn't post a picture on Instagram because I didn't know if I was allowed to. Oh, <laughs> right. But I did post it in a public room in Discord, so hopefully <laughs> I don't get in trouble. Um, no big deal. But I, e- I emailed them, and they re- emailed back pretty quickly. And they were like, oh, today's the last day of the beta. Um, and we had an issue with the, with the mobile app that was blocking the content. But on the PC, it's free. And I'm like, well, why did you let us into the beta on the last day of the beta? That is interesting. That's very like, interesting. Well, if we buy it, am I going to have any issues? Like if we just flat out buy the... DLC and he goes, Oh, I wouldn't do that because we don't really know if it, it'll affect you. We just wait until the the expansion comes out. And he was like, Don't worry, it won't be too long. I'm like, All right. <laughs> but now my regular app, a potion explosion, shows the it took over the whole app, so it shows the beta logo. Oh, okay. I don't even have like the regular, <laughs> but I would say, like, I think Kevin Austin got a little sick of the game. Um, I would say if you have Potion Explosion the app and got a little bored of it, this is going to totally rejuvenate it. Even from the tutorial I played, uh, it makes me want to go back and play it a bunch now. So That's the interesting thing about board game apps is that since you can play board, the game so much, much more yeah. than you typically would in person, I right. feel like burnout happens with board games and apps more than it would in just playing the board game as a board game. Yeah, if you play like Potion Explosion 50 times in a week, imagine playing the board game 50 times in a week. Right, you right. Know, no one would ever want to play that game ever again. And this is, let's let's shelve this for a future conversation because this would probably be a good topic. <laughs> That's true, it would be, absolutely. Uh, any other video games you've been dabbling in, good sir? So I, I started, I got um, Limited Run Games sent me a code for Saturday morning RPG on the Switch. So... I have been uh, dabbling in it. Uh, We will talk. I think we'll talk about that uh, in a future episode. Hopefully we'll let you guys know because I know that um, 
uh, Kyle has it on the Vita, which had some sad news today. <laughs> yeah, it did. but that's okay. I mean, it's not unexpected. No. And then uh, I don't know that I played anything else. Um, the new games of gold are available to download today. <clears throat> I will try Vanquish. I'll jump into that at some point because um, that was a fan favorite of mine when it came out. And and now that I I have metal now I've I have Metal Gear Phantom Pain on PS4 because that was a PS Plus game. Uh, PS Plus game. So um, I'll still download it in case they drop a X enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there is one currently. So. I, I don't know. Just, if, I don't know if Konami's going to do anything. Like that. Uh, yes, they have no. They have no reason to do it with that game. Um, yeah, but that's that's been about it. I've been tempted to try uh, Laser League, but every time I like <clears throat> want to try a game, uh, I think that that's going to take away from God of War. So I'd rather just play God of War, and I want to finish that. And that makes sense. I you know I don't want to start a new game. I think State of Decay will be the thing that. That uh, if we get to play that together, that will be the one thing I'll allow to take me away from God of War for a little bit, just from the co-op aspect. Um, but otherwise, nothing else. Gotcha. What about you? You know, I actually haven't been playing too much. Uh, the I've been really busy for the last, like, actually two weeks or so. Things have just been really crazy. Work's been really busy. So it's been really hard to get in any gaming time. I have been playing Saturday morning RPG, like you mentioned. I bought it. Years and years, I should say years and years ago, a while ago on Vita, you know, Switch 0.5, I guess we'll, we'll call it. <laughs> and call, instead of calling it the Switch Vita 2.0, which would be fine too. Um, so I, I was playing that there. I've been playing that there. I'm enjoying it so far, but like I said, we'll talk about that more in a couple, probably next week, once we've both had a chance to get a little more into it. Still playing Overwatch. That's kind of the game that I'm always jumping back into. Uh, they recently released a new patch with some updates to specific, mostly Hanzo who is cuckoo bananas good right now. He is so, so good that it's really interesting. Uh, it's been a new competitive season has started and this new patch to Hanzo means that the meta has completely shifted as far as competitive overwatch goes. It used to be dive comp all the time. Now you're seeing a lot more triple support with a Hanzo and Ryan and Zarya, and that's kind of the the best quote-unquote comp that you see people running right now. But almost anything is playable. You can play almost anything right now, and it's going to be okay, So, which is really interesting and really different from compared to what the best comp used to be. So still playing that. Really looking forward to the anniversary event coming up soon. Excited that they're going to do a free-for-all deathmatch as a competitive playlist for a while as a limited time competitive playlist so i'll probably jump into that and you know have a really really bad rank because i'm really bad at deathmatch because i don't play dps characters very often i'm yeah. the person who plays support almost all the time so i probably will do really poorly but hey that'll be fun <laughs> i did jump on to xbox because i was going to try to finish up far cry 5 as i promised you that i would and i had to do this big update and then i had an update for one of the games and my internet, I don't know if it was my internet or my Xbox, but it was taking forever. Like, I don't know what the deal was, but the update was just taking a really long time. So I wouldn't play more Overwatch instead. <laughs> <laughs> my intent was to jump back into Far Cry 5 because I do want to finish it. Uh, I am going to jump on actually after we're done recording and download Vanquish because I do want to play that again. But I promised myself I'm going to play finish Far Cry 5 before... I was going to say before State of Decay comes, 2 comes out, but that's right around the corner here. Hopefully yeah. before that. Tuesday, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I think if you um, buy the expensive edition, you can start playing Friday. Yeah. So 
yeah, I'm going to jump in um, and download Vanquish because I do enjoy that game. But finishing Far Cry 5 is most important on the docket. But hey, next week we'll probably be able to play, talk about maybe State of Decay. Probably yeah. not, but maybe. That'd be nice. And, and then, you know, <clears throat> Detroit's right around the corner for me at least. And then probably for you too, because I'm sure I'll get it digitally. So, hey, those are other games that are on the coming in the future. So overall, video games for us for, are pretty slow right now. But like I said, look forward next week. Hopefully we'll be talking about Saturday morning RPG, which early impression, the game doesn't isn't a looker, but it's more no. fun than I think it should be. It's a good nostalgia grab. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hey, that's what we've been playing this week. As always, you know, we'd love to hear what you're playing. So feel free to head over to, if you go to the PSVG's main account, uh, the Discord that we have is pinned there on Twitter. So go check out at PSVG, check out that pinned tweet, jump into the Discord, have these conversations with us every day. Uh, the Discord today on Tuesday the oh, 15th boy, was, a mess. was <laughs> off the charts. I was at work and I was trying to get all this work done and all these messages were just going crazy. So uh, we do have some pretty lively conversations over there. Sometimes people who just stop in for the first time are like, do these people <laughs> like each other? We really do. We just have very passionate people that are in that Discord and we have really passionate discussions about all things gaming related. Some maybe not super important, but we still really like talking about them. And sometimes people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Except me. I'm never wrong. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so the topic of the show, last week you may have remember we talked about the Dice Tower Awards. Well, it's that time of year in gaming, especially board gaming, which is going to be the focus still tonight, is that many, many organizations are announcing their awards for the games that came out last year. So first off, the Spiel des Jahres announced their nominees for 20, I guess technically 18 award nominees, which usually cover the games that came out the year before. So the games that they have dominated, they have three categories, basically, that Spiel talks about. The main category, the Spiel des Jahres, is usually going to be more of like a family weight game. There's the Kinderspiel, which is going to be more of your Euro style or heavier games. And then there's the Kinderspiel, which is going to typically be for games that are focused for kids. So I don't want to say family for that last category, just because for the general Spiel, they tend to be lighter weight games. You're usually not going to get a lot of brain burners in the general Spiel des Jahres character, um, category. So this year's nominees for the Spiel des Jahres are Azul, The Mind, and Luxor. For the Kenner Spiel, they are, oh boy, I, uh, why did I give myself <laughs> these ones? Here we go. Quaxalberg von Quedlinburg, uh, Gans Sean Cleaver, <laughs> and Heaven and Ale. Thank you, Heaven and Ale, for <laughs> being one of the three games. <laughs> so those are the Kenner Spiel nominees again. Die Quaxelberg von Quindlenburg, Gans Schoon Cleaver, and Heaven and Ale. And then for the Kinder Spiel, um, we have Emojito, uh, Dragon's Breath, and Panic Mansion. Yes, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to do the German version of that game. So those are the nominees Let's just talk about that very briefly. So we're not necessarily going to go ahead and pick winners. It's Funkle Shots. <laughs> that it, yes, it, it, it is. Come on. It is Funkle Shots is Dragon's Breath. But anyway. Okay. Thank you. Yes, no problem. <laughs> Back to talking about the actual nominees and spells, specifically mostly looking at the spiel to start. Azul, The Mind, and Luxor. What are your thoughts on those nominees? Is that kind of what you expected? Is it? Are you surprised? What are you kind of thinking when you read through these, sir? I think I'm always surprised <clears throat> by the Spiel nominees because they're they're so varied. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how they now. I don't. I don't, I don't know how they narrow it down. <clears throat> I know Luxor is in, is a German release right now only, so mm-hmm. I don't have too much info. Um, Dice Tower just got their copy of it on their unboxing. They unboxed it today, mm-hmm. um, so I'm sure I'll see something soon. But it looks pretty heavy for the category it's in. Yeah, <clears throat> so it looks like a pretty intense game. But Queen Queen Games does games pretty similar to that. Um, I've heard um, I've heard so much about the mind um, that it's mind boggling. Right. Uh, but I watched someone talk about it, and it seems terrible. So I think it's something <laughs> I have to play um, because everyone who says they played it, like they fell in love with it. But it's like a it's a math game. Yeah. With numbers and everything about that terrifies me. Yeah, it is an inch. I think it's a really interesting group of nominees. Like, if obviously this spiel tends to, I feel like every year they kind of nominate. I feel like there's one game that I'm like, yes, I can completely see that. One game that I usually know nothing about or next to nothing about. And then one game that I'm like, I've heard of this game and I've heard people talk about this game, but I have no idea what to feel about this game. Right. And almost always the game that I know the best never wins. So I feel yeah. like Azul is yeah. not going to win. Like, I feel like there's no way that's going to happen. So are we doing predictions on this one too? I mean, we can, we can, if you want, the problem is like you said, for the mind and Luxor, like even for, you know, comparing what we talked about last year or last week for the Dice Tower Awards, like even if I hadn't played some of those games, I've watched videos of them. I know a lot about them. I've heard people talk about them. I've watched reviews for them. For Luxor and the Mind, I just like you said, I just don't know that much about them. Yeah. For nominated being nominated for what is ostensibly the most prestigious award in board games. I at least heard about the Mind a lot, but I never heard of Luxor. In fact, when I saw the cover, I thought it was like one of those um, uh, mobile app games where you're like matching jewels. Yeah, I was either that or it was one of the ones where it's like find these things in the room where you have to. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's the kind of what the cover looks like. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't feel confident at all in making any predictions as far as this. Okay, we'll skip the we'll skip predictions. Then. Okay, uh, and then obviously for like this, I said the the Kenner Spiel, Heaven and Ale is the only one of the three games I know anything about. Yeah, as, are you kind of in the same boat as far as that goes? Yeah, I mean I love the name Quacksalber. <laughs> yeah, that's that is pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, um. The Ga- the Gans game, I think I saw Matt Morgan, uh, who r- runs all the pack stuff. I think I saw him playing that um, and posting pictures online. Okay. So uh, uh, that's where I think I recognize it from. Okay. But other than that, um, yeah, I don't have, I've only ever heard of Heaven and Hell. <laughs> gotcha. And then what about for Kinderspiel? Is there any, have you, are these, I know I've heard of Dragon's Breath, but I've never obviously played it. Um, Panic Mansion and Imojito. What did you hear of? <laughs> Funkel shots. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, Funkel shots. I have heard of, uh, but Panic Mansion and Emojito. I don't think those are not jumping out at me as games that I think I've really heard of. No, but Panic Mansion is about blue orange, so um, they get a pretty good track record with Spiel. They do. That is true. And well, and Haba does Funkel yeah, shots. So absolutely. So I guess they're all from good. The two out of three are from publishers I know and that I know are good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just uh, another uh, for people that listen to this, they're probably like, What the heck are you guys talking about? Yeah. So, 
if you're not familiar here, obviously the Spiel des Jahres is kind of the biggest uh, award in gaming. It is the one that, you know, typically the games that win that go on. I don't want to say always to become evergreen games, but they usually go on to sell very, very well. They tend to be kind of uh, the games that you're supposed to be easily able to recommend to folks. And there's some contention, you know, they don't always pick the right game per se. Uh, one other thing that is happening, though, is that they announced they're giving a special award to Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Really? Yeah, so they're doing just a special... I can't remember the name of the award. It's the award itself, but they are giving a special award to Pandemic Legacy Season 2. So that's kind of cool. A game that maybe is not going to fare as well in, I think, some of the other game awards. Um, it's kind of cool to see them recognizing you know, the work that has gone in from... Uh, Matt Leacock and, and really trying to design those long term, those games that you're going to play multiple times and, and get that good legacy idea out there. So that's cool. Like I said, I don't know a ton about why they're giving them the award because the, the press releases that I had seen were still all in German. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I do know that, like I said, they are going to give them a special award. So that's kind of cool. Nice. What are the awards mm. you're going to talk about, good sir? So we have announced the 2018 Origins Award nominees. Um, <clears throat> the award nominees for Origins aren't necessarily done by Origins themselves. It's actually um, uh, picked from the Academy of Adventure Gaming, Arts, and Design, which sounds like someplace I need to know where it is and go there <clears throat> um, or be part of it. <laughs> We're trying to get non dice tower. We should probably try getting into the Academy of Adventure <laughs> Design. Right. Um, so uh, they're presented for outstanding games in the hobby industry. There's eight categories. There's a lot of nominees in these categories, though. Yeah, um, there are. So there's a plain old board games category. And I'm going to tell you these names. And there were some surprises in here for me. Um, so for the nominees for board games, we have The Captain is Dead. Dice Forge, Gloomhaven, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire, Great Western Trail, uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, Near and Far, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, Raiders of the North Sea, Tack, A Beautiful Game. That's in the title. I'm not calling it a beautiful game. <laughs> uh, Sagrada and Santorini. So you said there's some surprises in there for you. What are the surprises in that group? Very, for you? Not that it's a bad game, but I was very surprised to see The Captain is Dead on that list. I could see that. I played it. <clears throat> um, it was good, minus the guy mansplaining uh, Alpha, Alpha, uh, becoming the Alpha to my wife, like at the table. Oh, I was um, gonna say, could you be mansplained too? Is that a thing that can happen? I think so. No, he played the Alpha. Uh, we didn't. We were playing our own game, and he came in and asked to join in, and then he ruined our game. <clears throat> Unfortunately, um, yeah. I mean, and. Tack, Raiders of the North Sea. Um, those are just games we haven't seen on lists before. For right. um, so, not that not that they don't deserve to be on the list. I was just surprised to see them because <clears throat> I think at this point, when we start seeing like uh, <clears throat> top sellers and all these things, these are games that haven't necessarily been in those lists. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm trying to remember: is the Captain is Dead? Is that the game that has the really unique graphic design? Um. I would say, I don't know necessarily, uh, you're in a ship and the ship is color-coded by rooms. Okay. And you are also color-coded characters. Someone is the like second in command, someone's an engineer, and you're being invaded by aliens. Okay. Because I'm thinking it's like really like 
bright and colorful and like sci-fi but everything is really vibrant is that the game am i thinking the right game here maybe okay well i guess it's not really if i say the artwork is sharp does that make sense yeah so like it's really angular like bodies and stuff okay yeah then i think i am thinking of the same game okay <clears throat> do you want me to keep going? Do you want to talk about these? Well, do you have who do you think? So Origins obviously, you know, not the Dice Tower. <laughs> that sometimes yeah. the Origins Awards folks think that uh, maybe don't hold as much weight as we would like them to, or maybe don't always I don't want to say pick the right games, but that they don't always have the track record of picking games that seem like they should be the ones that have that would win the categories. Right. So when you look at this group, are there games specifically you feel are missing? Do you feel like this is a good representation of the games of the last year? How do you feel about it? Um, I feel good. I, I think that I'm surprised for us and this didn't make it on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least not on this list. Right. Um, after playing Sagrada, we played Sagrada again over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think I would have changed some of my votes to Sagrada from the last week's episode. Okay. Um, so I would say if I had to pick a favorite from the group, I would pick Sagrada um, in general. I think it's a um, pretty, uh, I don't want to, I always say phenomenal in this. It's a pretty superb game. Right. And the mechanisms and, and how it works and the replay value. So, I mean, I think that that's jumped up a bit from playing mm-hmm. it. Um, but that's also how things work when they're more fresh in your mind. <clears throat> right. I think the only one for me when I look at this that, I would kind of expect to be there that is it is maybe Azul. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But otherwise, overall, when I look at that list, it's a pretty, I think they have encompassed a really diverse group of styles of games because there are other, obviously, categories that happen. But when you look at something like Dice Forge and Gloomhaven and Near and Far and Sagrada and Santorini, like if you put those into a group, like that's a, pretty eclectic mix of games right there. If you just, you know, say, Hey, like stylistically, what of these do you want to play? Yeah. I think it's a really interesting category overall. And I think for the most part, most of those games are quality and it is a unique grouping of games. So I think they, for the most part, like I said, other than maybe Azul, seems like a, a good nominee list. Yeah. And I still, I really want to play Raiders of the North Sea. I really need to pick that up and Agreed. just get it over with. Agreed. <clears throat> In the best way possible, not in the way it sounds. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to card games. <clears throat> so we have 10 nominees for card games, and these are kind of all over the place too, so this will be interesting. So 5-Minute Dungeon, Aeon's End, Custom Heroes, Ex Libris, or Ex Libris, however we decided to say it, uh, The Fox in the Forest, Hero, Hero Realms, uh, Honshu, Jump Drive, The Lost Expedition, and One Deck Dungeon. Um, I kind of love this category. I kind of, I never really put all those games into a card games category in my head. Right. But I kind of love these kind of games. These are great, like two player games, like easy to pick up games. Absolutely. Except for Aeon's End. I don't think that's an easy to pick up game, but, um, I mean, I'll let you talk mostly on it, but I mean, Fox in the Forest says it all for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I love Fox in the Forest. I think folks know that. I talked about that pretty extensively before. The one thing on here that really caught me off guard was Honshu. Yeah, I felt like that came out two years ago. I think it's a is it? A, I think it's a reprint. Didn't like Renegade th- buy it this year or last year? 
Maybe I feel, I'll say because every time I think of Hanju, I feel like I came out in like 2016. But yeah. overall, yeah, this is a really interesting again, a really interesting mix of games for me. Just like you, the Fox in the Forest is the one that jumps out the most. Bummed that I'm not going to be able to play it more often since my right. wife isn't a fan. <laughs> but I just look at this too, and like Renegade has three games on this list, which is pretty impressive for them. So yeah, yeah overall, really again, a good group of games that. You know, are some maybe better than others? Sure. Have I played all of these? Obviously not. But I think overall, there's nothing on here that sticks out to me as a, as a big, oh, why is that on there? Uh, right. These are all games that, I that yeah, seem to make sense as far as why they're on the list. But again, hope Fox in the Forest pulls it out. Come on, Fox in the Forest. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I was thinking about E3. I'm like, yes, board games. Take that, E3. <laughs> <laughs> Get some board game stuff in here too. Um, uh, all right, next category is collectible games, uh, which is also very, very varying. Um, we start with 10 nominees. We have Card Fight, Vanguard, Demonic, Advent, Booster. <laughs> so that might be for best name. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Miniatures, Icons of the Realms, Monster, Menagerie 2. <laughs> These are great names. DC Comics Dice Masters, Batman Foil Packs. Very specific. Batman Foil Packs, not <laughs> the game itself. The actual Foil Packs. <laughs> Dragon Ball Super Galactic Battle Booster. Final Fantasy TCG Opus 1 Collection Booster. Marvel Hero Clicks, The Mighty Thor. MTG. Oh, God, sorry. Magic the Gathering. I'm going to say this wrong. Zal- Is it Zalan? I think it's Ixalan. Ixalan. Ixalan Booster. I don't know if I was silent. Pokemon TCG Sun and Moon Booster. Star Wars Destiny Awakenings Booster. And Yu-Gi-Oh! That has an exclamation mark in it. 2017 Megaton. I mean, Star Wars Destiny, for me, is a a no-brainer. But I really think that um, um, the Dice Masters is really killing it with everything they're putting out. And as big of a fan as of the Courier series as I am, uh, which is the original Dice Masters, um, I really wish I played it more. Mm-hmm. Like My wife and I had the best intentions to play it, <clears throat> and we just never did. So I gifted them all to Kevin Austin. So um, I'm hoping he's getting some playtime out of it. But um, I'm a really big fan of Star Wars Destiny, so... Uh, that's what I would say. What do you think? Do you have any any insight on any of these collectible games? I really don't. I got specifically out of the collectible games because of the amount of money I spent on them. Yeah, but I didn't even know the Final Fantasy TCG was a thing. Yeah, I've seen it at the at the hobby store. A and lot. now I am looking at it, being like, should I buy some of this? <laughs> you probably no. But I think that's the interesting thing when especially about board games, but really when you get into these collectible games, and I think the same thing is true for miniatures games as well. There are entire communities that even though we play a lot of games, I'm like, I have never heard of this before. Yeah. And I don't think that's completely unreasonable. There's like a Resident Evil TCG I didn't know about until way after it came out. Right. So, yeah. But hey, so yeah, for me, there's nothing specific that jumps out here. I think, you know, if I was going to pick something... I would probably go with Star Wars Destiny as well, just because that's kind of, that's cool. You know, Magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, they've all been around the block a few times. So Dungeons and Dragons obviously has been around forever. Dice Masters has been doing their things for a few years now. So yeah, let's let's go with Star Wars Destiny. That seems pretty sweet. Cool. I like that sound of that. 
All right, family games. We have Azul, Bunny Kingdom, Codenames Disney, Codenames Duet, Downforce, Drop Mix, Hot Shots, Mountains of Madness, Sagrada, and Viral. What say you? Well, you know, I really, my heart really wants to go for Drop Mix because I really like Drop Mix <laughs> a lot. I think it fits in the family games category, though. That's what I think is an unusual place for it to be, but I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it's getting some recognition and some love. Yeah, for sure. I think that, again, pretty much all, I think it's a little interesting that you have multiple versions of code names in the category. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we have Azul being represented here, Sagrada again. Viral, I think, is interesting, but I think also kind of a long shot as far as potentially winning goes. Viral is very good. It I is like very it. good. It is very good. I just don't think it necessarily has the same pull or name recognition or it doesn't seem to be as hot if you would as some of these other games are yeah you know i think honestly i think it's going to come down to one of the code names games but yeah i would like i said my heart goes out for drop mix i really hope it can steal a win here i think that would if nothing else make it feel good before it right. stops being <laughs> anymore, which yeah. i hope which i hope doesn't happen but i just nobody seems to be talking about it which is very sad to me yeah I mean, I would argue Codenames Duet doesn't belong in there because it's not a family game. Yeah, because it is only for two people. That would, yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, I think it's going to be between Azul and Sagrada. Um, but I really want to play Bunny Kingdom. I've heard great things. Um, yeah. So that's on my list also. And I have Mountains of Madness and uh, I'm excited to play it, but it has a Cthulhu theme. So I'm surprised it's also in family games. Yeah, you know, but, stretch it, stretch the things a little bit as best you can. Yeah, maybe they need to come up with a diff like a party game category mm -hmm. all right next we move into a category i have no business talking about and that well, here's, is here's my question <laughs> yeah. do we really have any business talking about the last three categories no we should skip them all i think we could just say what they are maybe but probably not we skip all of them i think yeah i think so too all right the, the last four categories four, yeah. are miniatures sorry if you're interested in miniatures just we we can't intelligently speak on it, so we don't want to waste your time. Uh, same for all you role-playing game fans, because that's the next category, a role-playing game. No, I think it's interesting that My Little Pony Tales of... As, I can never say the their little world. Equestria. I think the, yeah, thank you, Equestria. I think it's really interesting that My Little Pony is in there. I'll tell you right now, Starfinder is going to win just because of the big, huge, groundbreaking, whatever this thing is, is which mm -hmm. is basically Pathfinder in space, right? I, I believe so, yes. Okay. Uh, Role-playing supplement, <laughs> enthralling category, uh, and game accessories, which I think is the most hilarious of the categories. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get, so that's how you get Smirking Dragon Tablecloths. Yeah, and Broken Token. Tablecloth. I just, yeah. Yeah, Broken Token Terraforming Mars Organizer. I might end up buying that because I have Terraforming Mars now. So there you go. So yeah, those are all of our origins categories. Yeah, so like like we said, you know, the Dice Tower does their awards. Obviously, the Spiel, the Ciaris does theirs. Origins will have theirs. And these are all things that, for the game designers, are cool. You know, it's a nice way to get recognized by different groups within the industry. And for many of them, will help drive, you know, some sales and some interest and really help people, you know, raise awareness of some of those specific games that, um, the industry is recognizing as being the cream of the crop, if you would. Yes. But in something that maybe wasn't the cream of the crop news, <laughs> another bit of Origins news, Origins recently announced their guests of honor, which will be at their convention, 
which is now down to Eric Lang, Kenneth St. Andre, Tony Steele, and Mike Elliott. And I say down to because it had been five. But after some pushback, Origins rescinded the offer to Larry Correa. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about the controversy surrounding Larry Correa. And I'll be honest, I'm not knowledgeable enough to speak intelligently about it. But needless to say, there is some controversy out there about him. But what I do want to talk about is that when I saw that there was some controversy and some pushback, I Googled Larry Correa and I was able to identify, huh, (laughs) this might be potentially a controversial person to pick as a guest of honor. So my real question is, Josh, I don't know who this gentleman is. I don't think you knew who he is. He's an author, if you were curious. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I didn't know who he was either. I do now. (laughs) Right. I did one Google search and was able to say, hey, after that one Google search, potentially bringing this person as a guest of honor to your convention might turn some heads. But apparently no one at Origins decided to do that. So how do these things keep happening? This isn't the first time that a convention has rescinded an offer to a guest of honor or that an award has no longer been given to someone after it was announced that they're going to be getting it. And then then there being some pushback and then them being like, Oh, the organization being like, Oh, Hey, we didn't know about this stuff. How does this keep happening? I mean, if we had the answer, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I would say this, um, this is what I like about our podcast. I'll do the things you say you won't do and vice versa. So you might not want to talk about him, but maybe I do. <laughs> you can. That's fine. Like I said, I started looking into it and I was just like, I don't yeah. have enough time to like delve into this to give, from my perspective, a well thought out, uh, balanced look at like what the controversy surrounding him is. If you right. have it, I would yeah. love to hear it. If I put myself in the shoes of probably the intern or the PA for the whoever, whatever company uh, brings on these guests and mm-hmm. assigned this task to me, we'll say. Um, any, if you, yes, if you did any research, which they should have done, and then they should have also fought, had someone else do more research after someone came with the idea for this person who, so I'm not going to slander him. If you do any research on him, there's lots to see about what he has written and what he has said. And you can tell whether, so this is what I'll say before I finish that thought. I don't think it's fair that Origins canceled him as a, as a guest of honor because they should have done the footwork. They should have done their research. Now, doing your research, you would see that this gentleman is a very toxic person. And it would seem like he likes to surround himself in controversy when there isn't necessarily any there or is perceived differently. So looking at his convention history should be an immediate red flag. Never have this person at a convention. If you do a little bit more reading and see his interaction with George R.R. Martin, who was trying to be a very sensible sounding board, you would say, okay, this person has angered lots of people, someone we probably shouldn't have at our convention. So having said that, and I got sucked way down the rabbit hole today. I did a lot of reading about Larry. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to judge him because I don't know him, but I, I can only judge him based on his words and what he has personally said. Um, 
And that would be enough for me not to book him for a convention, especially one where you're trying to get a bigger audience every year. It would be critical in the bad way to your convention. It could hurt you tremendously. So yeah, do you, like, if you don't do your research, you're bringing it upon yourself. This should also reflect negatively on Origins because it's bad press. It's bad PR. It would be like having Charlie Sheen at a convention now and people go, oh, I thought he was great in Hot, hot Shots. Shot. I, had no I, <laughs> I had no idea what he was up to. Like, <clears throat> that's on you. Like, you invite Charlie Sheen to an 80s nostalgic convention and you didn't know what he was up to in the 2000s. That's not Charlie Sheen's fault. He's just living his life. He's a toxic person. You don't want him around. But he goes, oh, I'm going to get paid to do something. You might be crushing him. Like maybe Larry's just sitting around writing his next book, which he has a big following for. Mm-hmm. And for crying out loud, it's a monster. It's called Monster Hunters. Like the, just the name alone, you get a, a whole new audience in there. <clears throat> he could have just been sitting around being bummed that he hasn't been going to conventions and gets this. I'm going to be a guest of honor. That's awesome. That might've lifted his spirits up. That might've made his day, week, month, year. That is totally unfair for them to do what they did. It's not his fault that Josh Baloney didn't do his research before inviting him. So are you saying then that origins should have just said our bad, we'll do a better job in the future, but we've already extended this offer. So we are not going to rescind it. They should just, yeah. I mean, they they shouldn't even address it. We have this guy coming. He's a he's a guest of honor. That's he's here to talk to his fans who are coming to our con. We're we're in such an age now that everyone's nose is in everyone's business. Mm-hmm. If you don't like Larry, that's great. No one's telling you you have to. Don't go to his panel. Or if you really feel like you have to tell him you don't like him, apparently it happens all the time. So he says. Go tell them. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's it's like when sports players are invited to the White House, regardless of the administration, whether it's Trump or Obama or Clinton or Bush. That's something that happens. You don't have to go or you can go and just not engage in politics. Me going to, if, if Larry's going to speak at PAX Unplugged, does not affect my experience at all. I'm not going to go see him speak. If he's a keynote speaker, I skip the keynote. If he's on a panel and I really find him that horrible, I don't go to the panel. If he's playing a game of the captain is dead, I walk by the table. Like, I understand how people can see it the other way. Like, you don't want a convention you go to representing someone you think is as bad as this person might be. If they did it, but you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. So maybe Origins has him back the next year. Then maybe you just said, Origins isn't for me. I know that's like a pacifist approach to it. And you could definitely go more protesty and that's your right to do. But in my opinion, uh, all the blame lies on Origins. And it might not be a popular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I think it's, it's totally valid for you, obviously, to... Have, have your opinion and belief in kind of where your dog is in this fight. Here's my follow-up question to that then, because I'll be honest, this was not the response I was expecting you to have. And I'm kind of excited <laughs> about it because we might not agree on something, which doesn't happen very often. Which is okay. We can No, agree. absolutely. We cannot agree. Absolutely. So 
in this situation, you talked about how, hey, if he is the keynote, I don't have to go to it. Or if they are doing a panel, I don't have to go to that panel. But your ticket is paying for him to be there. So if you've already purchased your ticket ahead of time, say you didn't know who the guests of honor were, yeah. you've already purchased your ticket, you've already purchased your pass, and then they announce who it is. Do you, as someone who's already paid for this experience, have the right to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what I paid for. This is not what I signed up for. You need to fix this. So, okay. So I'll say, well, two, th- a couple of things. If I was, ex- if I was buying my ticket for the keynote, mm-hmm. I, I, if you're buying a ticket for the keynote and you, and that happens, okay, one, you shouldn't buy a ticket before you know what you're getting. But isn't it that you have good faith that the, the folks at this convention that you've been to before, that you've been to for years, yes. they have your best interest as a gamer in mind. You don't need to worry about them bringing in someone who you would find to be offensive, non-inclusive, however you want to look at it. Sure. Like you have, you know, they've never done something, they made this mistake before. So like, you're like, hey. They have my best interest in mind. This is going to be fine. I can trust them to sure. do what is going to be good for all of us. I think you should voice your opinion for sure. I think that if you go to this convention and there's nobody at the keynote, then maybe the message is sent. So if you still bought your tickets and you don't go to the keynote because you don't believe in that, and then whichever organization is like, oh, we had 200 people in our 5,000 capacity room. Maybe we made a mistake or, you know, and, but of course, anyone you're you're entitled to your opinion. But the customer isn't always right. So there's two different trains of thought on that, because we've always been told our lives the customer is always right. And for someone who worked 16 years in retail, I can tell you, <laughs> well, the customer is mostly wrong, but they want you to be on their viewpoint. So they want you to be wrong. Also, um, I don't think this is the same thing. It's not a parallel to that, but. I don't, to the point where we were talking earlier, I don't know enough about him to know that he isn't inclusive. I know he has said what he has been um, accused of. And mm-hmm. most people who say that are one of those things, but that's also an assumption. Uh, and that's the way the internet is these days. But for someone like him, he also says like he promotes inclusion and all these things, but then he's the first person to tear people down. So, I, I can see both sides of that. Like you can't claim inclusion and then immediately disqualify people from your arguments. So to your point, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I can see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm more on the side of, I don't care necessarily about his feelings about what origins did, but the fact that they did what they did as an empathetic person that affects, that can affect someone physically, mentally, you know, it can do a lot of things to somebody that could have been avoided um, by, as you said, 30 seconds of Googling. Right. Which should be mandatory nowadays. You would, you would think, but apparently Business, it, it businesses is not. check people's Facebooks before they hire them. Mm-hmm. You know, you should, we should be holding origins to a higher level, regardless of how toxic or uninclusive or bad this person is. They should, they should be, you're paying them a lot of money to do that research to, to counter your ticket sale point. <laughs> like they should be doing what you're paying them to do also. Right. So to clarify, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. your position is Origins is mostly to blame for this. But I don't agree with him on any level. Right. And, like, <laughs> and that you are not a fan of his or saying you agree with him. But 
it seems like Origin is really Origins is really who messed up the biggest here. Yes, and you know what? It wouldn't have been too much of them to issue an apology. That's not alienating any fans. Right. No, I can so, see that. I can see they, that. They could have at least issued an apology. Uh, that being said, I'm only getting the story from his side. They may have issued an apology. Yeah, they issued a really very <laughs> short statement that was right. like, hey, our bad. We you know strive for inclusion and making everyone feel comfortable. He's right, no he's longer talking about a human being. You gotta like right. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, put some humanity into your apology. <laughs> no, for sure. And like I said, I just don't know enough about him or the situation to feel like I can comment sure. uh, in a way that is meaningful in any way, shape, or form, other than to say I am happy Origins or any other organization to Google things for you if you pay me a sum of money yeah. that is not very large. I will double check things for you before you invite people and say, yeah, this seems okay. Or, hey, maybe you should think about this before you invite this person. I will do the Googling for you. Or a big giant fat it. no. <laughs> or don't, potentially don't, be like, do it. <laughs> I may not recommend this person, but in the end, it is your decision. So <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, you know, we're getting a little long here, but I think yeah. we have a couple potentially short questions that we can go through to wrap things up. Josh, what awesome emails questions have sent people sent over to at board of the Fiji on Twitter? Let's check them out. So we have... Splig, our loyal, we have two of our loyal listeners and commenters today. So Splig says, or asks, what, what are, I'm going to use this, what are some Gato games? <laughs> I'm just messing with them. Fix that Twitter speak. What are some go-to games uh, you just relax with uh, that make it to the table slash floor? Thank you, Splig. <laughs> <laughs> Often. Uh, for us, it's patchwork, but Seven Wonders Duel may creep into the rotation. I was very happy to see Splig um, playing Seven Wonders Duel. Um, I would say to answer it for me, we're f- constantly finding new games that mm-hmm. we're loving. Um, so right now, it's uh, Century Golem Edition uh, mm-hmm. is a huge go-to for us, um, and Sagrada is coming back real hard into that uh, rotation for us. What about uh, you, Kyle? Yeah, so for us, I think the game Seven Wonders Duel is one of them. Uh, is a game that we look at really regularly. Red Sevens is another game that we play quite often. And then actually the third one is a game that most people don't like, but is a game that my wife and I play with her parents thought. We play a lot of Millborn. Oh, what? I've, have you ever heard of Millborn? No. Okay. Look it up. It's not. It's a game most people don't like it very often. It's a game okay. you can get really, really hosed in, and it can, like... It feels really bad to play sometimes. There are games that you just can't win. Like, you just can't at all. It's a card mm-hmm. game. It's about traveling a certain distance. It's French. Uh, you get things like Kufarets and cool things like that. But uh, we play it a lot, mostly because we play it with our parents. So it's just one of those things that we don't even have to think about the rules. We just know how to play. So if we're looking for that easy comfort food, it's, you know, like I said, uh, Red 7, Millbourne, or also Seven Wonders Duel, for sure. Cool. All right, so Paul had two. I'm going to say they're both questions. They're comments mostly, but <clears throat> so Paul writes, I have not beaten Dad of War yet, and I'm interested in your progress, Josh Bones. So we we did answer that already. Um, we are behind, so I don't think it will be spoilery. Yeah, yeah, I got, the, I got all that. So then he says, I know y'all dislike Monopoly, but I picked up Tanuki Mario and Rosalina to finish off my set. Uh to which he adds, what are y'all's thoughts on the characters' abilities in a game like Mario Monopoly? And will they release more characters like Goombas or Turtles or Bullet Bill? And of course, all caps, Koopalings. 
So I, I'll let you talk on this, but I'm just going to first. Um, but I will say to Paul, I responded on Twitter. I love Monopoly. I love it a lot. It's just everyone else who doesn't like playing it with me. They don't like it so much. Um, but I'm going to throw it to Kyle real quick. Um, talk about Monopoly Gamer. So I'll be honest. I know nothing about Monopoly Gamer at all. I wish I did. I've heard good things about it. That is something I probably should add to my list about things that I'm just not super knowledgeable about or don't know a ton about. So Monopoly in general, I am moderately a fan. The only thing I don't like about Monopoly is how long it takes to finish the game. That's my one big downfall as far as Monopoly goes in general. But Monopoly Gamer, I've heard good things about. I, I hear that is a version that people are really enjoying, and it seems like you're enjoying. So maybe I will add it to my list to pick up the next time I am at my potentially probably my local GameStop. I will see if I can throw Monopoly Gamer on the list because I hear people talk about it. I hear people make these references about like abilities and powers, all things which I'm not aware of that have happened in Monopoly before. So I guess I'm going to have to add it to my list, and I'm going to have to make it a game that I, I make a point in playing. As always, everyone, we really appreciate when you reach up to us. Is there some news? Reach out to us, up to us. Reach out to us. Is there some news you want us to talk about? Is there things that you think are important for us to cover? Did you hear a comment one day that you were like, hey, I really wonder what the Board with Fiji guys think about that? Let us know. Send us um, a tweet over on Twitter at Board with Fiji, or feel free to talk to us over on the Instagram if you want to. Or like I said earlier, head over to Discord and join the PSVG Discord group. We'd be happy to talk to you there. So with that being said, our show has gone quite long this week, so I think it's about time to wrap things up. But before we do, a special little announcement for you all. With this new format and us going a little bit longer and PSVG reworking a few things, we are going to have a special guest next week. It's going to be great. So we'll have our first ever guest on episode 33. There will be three of us. It's going to be grand. That was all planned out. It was supposed to work that way way where episode 33, there'd be three of us. So tune in next week for a super special guest who will be joining us. But for that, I think it's time to wrap things up. Josh, what do you say? Should we take this home? Let's do it. Thank you. Have we, you know, what I was thinking about the other day, have we been spelling out board with VG again? Cause I feel like we always hit that hard, but I don't remember doing it recently. We have not been doing it recently. Okay. All right. Well, I'll fix that today. <laughs> and never mind. <laughs> Days without spelling Thanks out for VG, zero. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys and gals. Uh, remember, uh, you can find us on social media at Board with VG. That's B O A R D. <laughs> and uh, use the hashtag, hashtag Board with VG. That's B O A R D with VG. Uh, we're also on Instagram. That's B-O-A-R-D with VG on Instagram. Uh, we have a Facebook. That's facebook.com slash B-O-A-R-D with the VG. Uh, same with our Gmail. I mean, you guys know it by now, right? That's B-O-A-R-D with VG at gmail.com. Oh, are we going long? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to get a bill this month is how long we're going. <laughs> Uh, I get it. Like it. Uh, we love our, we love uh, you guys uh, interacting with us on social media. Um, we love all the pictures that you guys are sending and we love to hear about your wins and your losses and your frustrations. And we love sharing ours. So keep on checking in with us. I'm still waiting for some messages uh, from our list last week. I guess you guys don't want free stuff. So 
I, I'm not going to keep asking. I don't want to necessarily spend money. Um, instead of plugs for me, I'm just going to say the day you're listening to this, PAX Unplugged tickets go on sale. Uh, I don't know what to expect, but I expect to increase at least. And it took them a little while to sell out of three-day passes. I'm going to guess they sell quickly uh, this time around. But if you guys get your PAX Unplugged tickets, let us know. Uh, let us know on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and uh, let's meet up because at least half of us, maybe all of us will be there. Uh, so I'm greatly looking forward to it. And now that you know where I'll be, Kyle, where can they find you currently? Well, you can find me on all of the things, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have any suggestions for future topics, reach out to us on the social media. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We really appreciate you all listening this week. And as always, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com.